A question that people ask nowadays, does Islam need a reform? As a matter of fact, there is a book that was recently released by someone who was a former Muslim and now is anti-Muslim or anti-Islamic activist who is dedicating her life to smear Islam and Muslims. What is reformation? And is it true that Islam needs a reform? Many scholars, thinkers, as well as just ordinary Muslims, they oppose the use of the word reform. And it's, they said it presents a threefold danger. Number one, it sounds as though it means changing Islam. A second criticism comes from those who think or they, they view the word reform as a foreign word. An approach imported from Christianity to cause Islam to go, to go through the same exact problems or the same exact issues that Christianity went through and then make Islam loses its substance and its soul. The third criticism based on the, uh, the concept of the universal character of, the Isl of Islamic teachings, which is in no need of reform. And it can be implemented anywhere, anytime. An Oxford you know, uh, uh, scholar of Islamic studies, Tariq Ramadan, he said that we reject the word reform. We reject the word reform. He said because re re reforming means to, to rectify something after it has been corrupted. But we accept tajdeed, revival, renovation, renewal. And there is a tradition when the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send every 100 years, will send someone, will help this ummah by sending someone, a thinker, a philosopher, a scholar, intellectual, he will renew or regenerate the religion for people. And this renewal of religion does not entail any change of the resources or the principles or the fundamentals of the faith. But in the way that the religion is understood, implemented and lived in different places, different times. And he said that the Qur'an and the Sunnah must remain the primary references for the Islamic tradition. And we have in our tradition what we call thawabit and mutagayyarat. And the thawabit are the things that cannot be changed. One of them is our basic concept of God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our concept of prophecy, the hereafter. These things cannot be changed. Al-mutagayyarat is our understanding of the text. Our different circumstances that each and every one of us go through. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives us a very vast religion that allows different interpretations. My own question is, wasn't Islam a reformist movement to begin with? 
wasn't the Prophet ﷺ or a part of the mission of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, a social reformer? And we know that the Prophet ﷺ revolted against injustice, against the lifestyle, against oppression. And one of the examples that shows the role of the Prophet ﷺ as a social reformer is the most, one, one of the most compelling description of Islam, one of the most profound description of the role of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, which was said by Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, one of his companions. When he stood in front of the Abyssinian king and he described Islam, and listen to this. He said, O king, we were a people of ignorance and immorality. Worshipping idols, eating the flesh of dead animals, breaking ties with our kinship, treating neighbors badly. The strong among us took advantage of the weak. We were in that state until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us a man from among ourselves. That his lineage, his lineage, his trustworthiness, and his integrity were well known for each and every one of us. He calls us to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And renounce the, the, idol, worship, the idol worshiping. He calls us to uphold salah and to give zakah and perform siyam. To speak the truth keep promises, and to keep ties to our families, and to be helpful to our neighbors. And He calls us to avoid all kind of shameful acts, false witnesses, and not to devour an orphan's property, nor a slander chaste woman. Then our people oppressed us, and made our life unbearable. So, we left for your country, and would chose you before anyone else, desiring your protection and hoping that we can live in justice and peace. Brothers and sisters, doesn't that summarize the mission of the Messenger of Allah The role of Rasulullah The Islamic teaching, the etiquette of Islam, but Islam came to change. You know, nowadays civilizations they measure their they measure their success. They measure their success by advancing human rights and a, and a rule of law. And we have within our tradition strong and clear text from the Quran and the Sunnah of Rasulullah which have laid out the foundations of human rights in the Quran and in the Sunnah of Rasulullah One of them is the most beautiful khutbah of Rasulullah The magnificent speech that the Prophet delivered before about 120,000 of, of his companions. And in this speech, the Prophet ﷺ laid out the foundations, the fundamentals of human rights. 
such as religious freedom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, La ikraha fi deen. No compulsion in religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said, فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرْ Whoever wants to believe, let him be. And whoever doesn't want to believe, let him be. We know that the Prophet ﷺ never forced someone against his will or her will to become Muslim. We know that the Christian delegation of Najran came to the Prophet ﷺ in Medina and he permitted them to offer their salah or their prayer in the masjid of Rasulullah We know that he had an open religious dialogue with them. We know that he wrote him a decree and declared declare that no compulsion is to be on them. And nobody's allowed to destroy their places of worship, no damage it. And that they were my allies. And they have my, my secure charter against anything that they hate. We know that the Prophet ﷺ, when they caught him, Thumam ibn Uthal, and they brought, it, brought him to the, to the Prophet ﷺ, we know that Rasulullah ﷺ did not, did not enforce him to, or force him to, to become Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ asked him simple questions, Ya Thumamah, كيف أصبحت يا Thumamah? How are you, Thumama? He said, Ya Muhammad, in taqtul taqtul dhadamin. Wa in kunta turidul mala a'taytuka ma yatmatasha. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you kill me, I'm a leader of my, of my tribe. And they will come back and they will take revenge. And if you want some money out of this, out of this I will give you whatever money you want. And if you let me, or you set me free, if you let me go, I will never forget this favor. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not say anything but, Ahsinu ila thumama. Treat him well. Treat him well. We know that the Prophet sallallahu and he actually at the end, just for the sake of time, it's a long hadith, but at the end Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa set him free. We know that when the Messenger of Allah moved to Medina, some of the Arab who were polytheists before Islam, who used to live in Medina, they actually dedicated their children to learn the Jewish tradition, to believe in the oneness of Allah. When Rasulullah migrated and he found out that some of the Arabs were, in, were, were forcing their children who learned the Jewish tradition to become Muslim, he stopped them. In the light of that verse, no compulsion in religion. We have voices in our communities. We have voices in our communities saying that the Prophet was sent with the sword. We still have people believe that the penalty, that the penalty of apostasy is is killing, based on the opinion of some scholars in the past. We still have voices in our community saying that the Prophet ﷺ was sent to fight people until they become Muslims and we should do the same. We still have some voices, they say that, you know, non-Muslims blood is halal for us. We still have these problems. 
And all these things were refuted long, long time ago. Sheikh Abu Zahra and others who said that you have to look at the fatwas and where and when these fatwas were issued. But we still have these problems and we still have people who actually read these things. And a part of the campaign against Islam that they hire people to read these things and highlight it to others. The other thing, one of the things that Islam came or Rasulullah came to change or reform is the racial equality. The pre-Islamic Arab society was a, 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 a racial society. They were racist against the non-Arab. Just as the American society had up till what 1960 and continued to have. Didn't tell anybody I said that. Don't get me in trouble. I'm sure there are people here who love to get me in trouble. But it's obvious, I mean, two or three days ago we saw an unarmed black man was shot eight times by a police officer, a white police officer. And what is really interesting about this, that before in the media they say, well we cannot really show this video because it's disturbing for people. Nowadays, it's not disturbing anymore. You know, it's just happening every day or just like it doesn't really, doesn't really matter, you know. And some people, they still, you know, they still cannot get it that presidents come in black nowadays. The Prophet ﷺ had the same problem. But he ﷺ managed to, to purify these primitive ideologies by his own example. Two of his close companions, ﷺ, Bilal and Salman, both were uh, former slaves who became Muslims and they were, so, they were so close to the Messenger of Allah But do we really treat each other here as Muslims? Justly? No. Here, even here in our community, the Pittsburgh community, we have problems, racial problems, in, within our own communities. I will tell you something that I said a couple of weeks ago when I had this long day uh, uh, class. And I apologized to people that I said it. But and then I went home and I said, no, I didn't have to apologize. Because it's true. And we have to highlight these problems. And we have to talk about it. If we actually, if we're looking for the, for the well-being of the community, of our, our community in Pittsburgh. You know, I, some people, some brothers, sitting together here at the mosque. They were talking to each other about why they hate me personally. I was like, man, I, was, I thought I was loved here. You know, been deluded for seven years. <laughs> you know, and then one of them said, I hate him because his wife is a convert to Islam. And he should have just married someone who was just born a Muslim. We have these problems in our society, in our communities. The Prophet 1400 years ago dealt with this. And we still, until today, we still have these problems. The Prophet ﷺ in his speech, in the farewell of pilgrimage, he said 
That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not look into your physical appearance, but He look into your hearts and what the hearts contain. He said, you are from Adam and Adam is from dust. They said that he was وسلم, was sitting with the companions while a man walked in. Some narration says a man. Somebody else said it was Thabit ibn Qais who entered the masjid and he couldn't find a place to sit in the halaqa, in the circle before Rasulullah So he said to somebody, Tazahzah, just make me a room. And in the man, he didn't want to give up his place. He's sitting in front of Rasulullah I'm not going to give up that. So he said, uh, he just ignored him. And then the man got really upset and he says, who are you? He said, I'm so-and-so. He said, oh, your mother is so-and-so? And looks like his mother had a bad reputation in the Jahiliyyah. Rasulullah heard that and he said, who said the son of so-and-so? He said, Ana Rasulullah. He said, Unzur hawlak, madha tara? Look around you, what do you see? He said, I see the white and black and red. He said, وَأَقْرَبَهُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ التَّقِيهِ And the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who, who, who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most. Someone who has taqwa in his heart, that's the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we still have these problems within our communities. <coughs> this is something Rasulullah came to change. Another example is education. Famously, he declared وسلم, that education is mandatory upon every Muslim, male and a female. He says that the person who gives good or the best upbringing and education to his daughters shall enter Jannah. He وسلم, used to encourage people to go and, 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 and learn how to write and read. He actually taught, uh, encouraged people to go and learn different languages so that they can convey the message of Islam far and wide. But nowadays we have Taliban and Boko Haram who blow up girls' schools. Which will take me to the last point which is women. The numerous reforms that the Prophet ﷺ instituted in the 7th century stated the end of the mistreatment of women. The right for women to approve or disprove her marriage. The right to ownership and private property. The right to divorce herself. The right to divorce herself if she has an abusive husband. And these really, the, 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 uh, 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 these rules, this law actually were not, uh, you cannot find them in the West until early 20th century. In Switzerland, women didn't have the right to vote until 1970. In the UK, women didn't have the right to inherit nor to vote until the, uh, the beginning of 19th century or 19th century. But the question is, let us pause a little bit. Do we treat our women according to the Islamic teachings? No. I've heard it once from a religious cleric, he said, nothing benefits women but striking. After a sister went to him, complaining about her abusive husband, that's what he told her, and she came to me and she told me. Do we treat him equally? And we know that the Prophet ﷺ was the first to articulate the principles of equality between men and women, but do we really treat them equally? No. Nope. Take Masa's space for example. 
I'm not here to make or to cause trouble. Don't think that oh, this guy is leaving in three weeks, or is causing all this. No. I'm just saying that people are talking about these things. And we cannot just keep saying that we're perfect because we're not. We're not perfect. We're not. We have problems and we have to sit and we have to talk about them. And if you don't talk about them, believe me, your children are talking about them. Your daughters are talking about them. Your kids are talking about these problems when they go to campus, when they go to college, when they go to high schools. So it's not the time to hide anymore because you cannot hide. Turn on the TV. What do you hear? If you watch a news channel, what do you hear? Islam and Muslims, those Muslims, these Muslims, the hijab, this, the jihad. So you cannot run away anymore. You have to face the problem. And you have to talk about these, these things. Again, take the mosque space for example. Nowadays, mosques are men's club. I personally had brothers who came, uh, who came to me and asked me, why do we allow women here in the mosque? Why don't we put them downstairs? You know, we have a tradition that the Prophet ﷺ preferred for women to stay at home and pray at home. However, the bulk of the Islamic, Islamic message and the prophetic traditions are enough to show that Islam and that Moses' space should be open to women. And even when we allow women to come to the masjid, the facilities are too small, not always kept up or equipped. Uh, sound system sometimes it's not really working or they're just talking too much to one another and they cannot hear me. It's like they are being forced not to come to the masjid. Brothers, sisters, these are problems in our communities. When you hear somebody talking about Muslims have problems, you have to agree whether it was Muslim or not, because we do have problems. Now, the Islamic tradition within itself, it has all aspects it needs to renovate itself. Now the question is, does, re, does Islam really need reformation or do Muslims are in desperate need for it? I will let you answer this question. Alhamdulillah اللهم فرج هم المهمومين من المسلمين اللهم فرج هم المهمومين من المسلمين وارفع الضر عن المتضررين وفك أسر المأسورين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين اللهم من ولي من أمر الإسلام والمسلمين أمرا فرفق بهم فرفق به ومن اشتد عليهم فاشدد عليه Allah, we ask you to honor us as you honor the righteous people before us. Allah, we ask you to protect us from anxiety and from grief. 
from laziness and inability. We ask you to have mercy on us and our parents and our children. And we ask you to keep us steadfast in your religion. Allahumma ameen. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Subhana rabbik rabbil izzati amma sufun. Salamun ala mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Aqil salam.